Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Still Growing in Grace. I'm glad you took time to join me this morning. Got a bunch of folks watching already and someone from Sorrento, B.C. Like, that's pretty early in the morning. So good morning, Howard. I uh, love it when you chime in so early. You must get up early. I don't understand that. And Lisa, good morning. I think you're down in the Chatham way. Um, I was just uh, having a, a coffee with uh, Michael Gordon uh, yesterday, and I, I mentioned uh, your name uh, to him. Um, anyway, this morning we got a uh, an interesting conversation. We have a, a new guest in the mix, a guy named Bob Ingle. Uh, you'll meet him in the uh, in the video. Uh, but Richard and uh, Bill uh, and Bob and I were we're having a conversation today about are we in the biblical end times? And I'll tell you right in the front end, likely not. Um, and I think the conversation will be helpful because there's a lot of fear mongering going on. Um, especially from religious folks who are trying to say, look, this Russia thing's happening. That means the beast's coming down. It's been predicted in the book of Revelation. It has not been predicted in the book of Revelation. Uh, I'm sorry, it, it just hasn't. Uh, you may have been told that, and somebody has drawn a very fancy uh, chart to, to explain all that. But listen, those kinds of prophecies have been around for a long time. Yeah, but not long enough. Most of them are newer prophecies, that, or at least assumptions that they're a prophecy. Um, I think there's a more hope-filled perspective. And if you're actually opening your ears to listen for them, you're going to find them. This is not time to be all afraid. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. So let's just jump right in this conversation. I'll come back later at the end. I'm listening with you live. So comment if you enjoy something or have a question. I'll try and address it at the very end. Um, and let's just dive in. I think this will be a good one. Here we go. All right, so we're in for another conversation today on Still Growing Grace. We've got Richard Murray, Bill Thrasher, and a new friend, Bob Engel. Um, I have not had a chance to meet with Bob, so this is going to be fun meeting him for the first time, you know, doing the sunglasses on his forehead thing and, and uh -huh. us just chatting through. So, uh, Bob, introduce yourself. Where are you, where are you from and uh, uh, how are you connected here? Just do a real quick, quick intro. Living in Lawrence, Kansas, uh, connected through Facebook. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an ex-evangelical. We came out about 12 years ago. Uh, uh, felt as though we needed to do something. We had been in the tape lending library world way back when. And, and Flo said, we should do something like that. Uh, only we should use the internet. And, and at that lunch, I said, yeah, and it'll be called Unheard Words. And it took several years. That was in, in like 07. Took several years for us to get to the place where it was time to do it. But, uh, but my way of communicating as I came out of the evangelical movement, which I was completely buried in, I mean, I was, I was totally immersed in and, uh, and went through that really dark time you go through when, when you leave something like that, or at least I went through a dark time. But coming out of that started the blog, uh, got me out on Facebook and posting some stuff. And I've run across each of you guys out there 
uh, looking for people who really had something to say, who were hearing the hearing what's really happening. Uh, as part of our transition, we were in a local brew pub in Kansas City one evening, and a young woman, uh, full sleeve tats, piercing, spiked hair, smoking a cigarette with a cocktail in her hand in a brew pub, came over and introduced herself to us and uh, uh, started a conversation. And, and I, I asked her a question. It was an 08. Her, her, she was from Arkansas. And I said, tell me about your, uh, your former governor's running for president. Tell me about the guy. And she did about five minutes on this right-wing hypocrite, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and as she was doing that, I realized something. And, and uh, when she finished talking, I said, would you for the that has shown the real Jesus to your generation? Can you repeat that? We couldn't hear you. You cut up. And she paused for a minute. Would you forgive me for being part of the generation that hasn't shown the real generation to your generation? Mm. And uh, she started talking again. She, she changed the subject. As a matter of fact, she started using some language that would be a little undesirable. And so it was almost like she was trying to run me off. And when she got down, I said, you didn't answer my question, Cordy. Will you forgive me? And that child took hold of me like I was a life preserver in a, in a hurricane and said, no one's ever talked to me that way. And I said, Cordy, I didn't know what I was going to say to you. But what I realized was Jesus had said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw a man unto me. And that wasn't happening. Hmm. And uh, Cordy's still our friend on Facebook. Um, on the way home that night, we were in the smoking section of the bar. And on that, on the way home that night, I stuck my sleeve over in front of Flo. You could sell, smell smoke on it. And I said, baby, do you smell that? And she said, yeah. And I said, that's the smell of the new church we're involved in. <laughs> and it, it took a time for us to make that transition. That was in, in early 08. And it was, it was in early 10 before we really, really started making the transition out. But getting out in social media and blogging, is is how I is is how we were able to manage and and you guys have been absolute beacons of light. All three of you individually have been absolute beacons of light to me, uh, along with some other really great guys around Dave Coringer and, and Bo Thomas and 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 lots of people. Brian Zahn and our old friends. Brian Zahn and I went through this kind of together in a lot of ways, and 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 that was very supportive. But but what you're doing by taking your time and your energy and, and investing your spirit in what you're doing is, is changing the world guys. And it needs to change because, because if we lift the real Jesus up, all, all men will come to it. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Thank Amen. you. Yeah, this is uh, it's, it's, uh, I've watched your stuff online, your read your blogs and think I, you told me, you remind me of a time when I messaged you permission to use part of it in my sermon. I love that line. I'm going to use it. So that's really cool. You know, nobody's really creates anything. You just keep borrowing, <laughs> you know, and so, although I'm amongst people who create phrases that I've never used before. I, Richard, I've enjoyed your, your short punchy puns and quotes in the last two weeks. It's like, Oh man, that's good. Oh, that's good. You know, and then Bill gets all deep and like, you do, you get intensely wonderful. Like you have a gift of explaining in a word art and I love it. So it's been good. Well, you know, Bob, <laughs> uh, it kind of supports something.
that I've come to believe is that everybody owes everybody an apology. And, um, you know, it, it's, uh, there's something, there's always something to apologize about either for ourselves individually or even, even on a broader base, you know, for Christianity, there's nothing, you know, apologies are good as long as, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, to obviously to fake it, but I'm saying there's always something to apologize for. And some people would rather die than apologize, you know, but, but really once you break the apology, Apology barrier, and you're willing to be a, you know, a, a minister of apologies. Uh, you know that that brings people's defenses down, and I think that's a great, you know, that's a great tool. That's a, that puts a new twist to apologetics, doesn't it? That's very true. <laughs> let's let's dive into something today because I had a friend of mine, Jim Willard, in Windsor, Ontario. Uh, post a Bible verse. Now he didn't say anything with it. It was just a Bible verse. Now I know this guy's heart. So I had a hunch where it was going, but he was using a, um, uh, a text from Luke 21, where it says, when you hear wars and disturbances and all that stuff, people have been using that quote a lot and using that as an explanation. Hey, look, Jesus come back soon because look, rumors of wars. Ooh, governments are going to rise up against governments and ooh, and you make your list. Now, how many times is this story recycled in the last hundred years? Like it is the most recycled story in churchdom. Um, so I wrote him back and I reminded him of the text before that comment, because the disciples were asking, hey, um, we're, let's look at this incredible temple. And Jesus said, yeah, I mean, isn't that incredible? But guess what? A time's coming when not a single stone will be left on top of another. And they asked, so when's this going to happen? And then the quote that Jim posted, uh, you'll hear of wars, disturbances and all that stuff. But I have a hunch that it's not referring to end of the world. It's referring to an end of an age. And I'd love to talk about that a little bit today to see which, where you guys are coming from. Am I the only one that sees it that way? Because I didn't for most of my life. But the last 15 years, eschatology, once that began to unravel, it opened up the permission to explore all kinds of unpacking. Hmm. That's that deep. sounds like a bill. That sounds like a bill. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, okay. Thanks. Well, have you guys heard about, are you yeah. hearing a rumbling from fellow believers that, hey, oh, no, is this the end times? Is this when Jesus comes back like and people said, are trying to hurry it up? Yeah, that's been going on for, I mean, as long as I can remember. And, and I've been around a while. And I think, you know, the, the, in, the, in the modern Western evangelical church, especially that has Protestant roots, I think, you know, you go back to the, the Darby understanding of eschatology and dispensationalism. And these are big words that have these big theological, but all it means is end time stuff, right? End time stuff. And then maybe uh, we throw in dispensational, which is, you know, it's segmented or sectioned and it's all projected to this left behind theology. We all remember those books and, you know, scared the hell right out of me. I got saved so many times. We take, we take all this, stuff from scripture that's in totally different places with different authors. And we kind of piecemeal it together to have this threaded story of exactly how it's all going to play out. And some are pre-trib and some are mid-trib and some are post-trib, but there's this rapture thing. And there's this there's seven years of peace and three and a half years of war and the antichrist and all this, you know, six, 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 mark of the beast. You're going to get a chip in your head on your hand, yada, yada, yada. Right. And, 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 and it instills fear. It instills anxiety. It instills all these anti-Christ spirit fruits that, you know, anti-spirit Christ fruits, whatever you want to call them. Instead of fruit, it's fruit, fruit cakes. How about that? (laughs) Um, 
and and yet it has been kind of this driving motivator behind so much of what is supposed to be the good news, but it sure doesn't feel good anymore, right? And so I think you're right, Mike. I think so many people read these things and they're not reading them from a, a you know the, pers- the simple perspective of the finished work of the cross. Um, Richard wrote something this morning. I'll let him go into it more deeply, but I, I think there are different angles of interpretation to any of these verses. Um, I think there is specifically with that one you just talked about, very much a, a view of literal events that took place inside the lives of the, the, the apostles and the generation of the apostles and that first generation of Christianity that experienced a, a complete decimation of their Jewish religion and all the, the, the sacrifices and the temple and everything that was associated with it. It's a very real literal historical thing that happened. I think J- Jesus was specifically alluding to a lot of that in that specific passage. But beyond that, there are allegory things we can attribute to these things. There are introspective ways we can interpret that. And I think even more than that, this, this idea of futurism, that we take that and apply it to a future, it's not completely incorrect either. I don't think it's leading to some, you know, Armageddon plane uh, of literal nature yet. Maybe if we continue to manifest those things in our beliefs, we're going to lead ourselves there, right? That's kind of the <laughs> other aspect of it is maybe we, we're going to go there because we keep thinking it's going to go there. I don't think that's necessarily the desire of God, but I think to button it all up, all of these things have some value, ways we can look at them as, as preterist, you know, looking at it from uh, a finished thing that happened in the past as, as kind of this historical allegory, as this future potential event, as a personal revelation. None of those matter worth a hill of beans, though, if Christ crucified and his expression of love and grace isn't at the center of our, our philosophy. And regardless of which angle we're looking, and that's the problem I have with most of that future crap, is Jesus crucified doesn't have anything to do with that. He's coming back as some bloodthirsty monster. He's not revealing himself as the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. So um, we got to keep that at the heart of anything we look at eschatology wise, first and foremost, and then let, let that define how it's going to play out. Are you suggesting there's a more hope filled perspective than what we may have? Yeah, just slightly. (laughs) Well, you know, I'll let Richard go from there. Well, we've been, talking, yeah, we've been talking about how, uh, you know, the sin of certainty. And I, I don't like the phrase, the sin of certainty, because there are things we are to be certain about. Mm. I think the better way to phrase it, and I've said it before, is the sin of precision, <laughs> that we have to absolutely put an A, B, C, D, E, F, G, sub, you know, subsection, you know, like we're going to put all this stuff in an outline. And that is nuts. Is that dogmatism? And, Same thing? Yeah, absolutely. That's law. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and all the while we get further out on a branch until the branch breaks. And then um, I don't know if you ever saw, oh, what is the TV show on Showtime about the uh, the leftover? Is it the leftovers? Was that on Showtime? The um, cooking show? Yeah, no, 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 no. It's about it, it's about the end times. It's uh, very good. It's not from a Christian. I mean, it's kind of Christian. But there's a scene in which um, this charismatic pastor, and, and, and it's put in the 1800s, or maybe 1700s, and is given the date certain of when Jesus is coming back. 
And it's all, it's a musical montage, but you're standing, use a, you know, write it up, etch it out on a chalkboard and all that. And all the people go up on top of the roofs and they wait, uh, they wait for the Lord, but then you see the Lord doesn't come. So it happens time and time again. And, and the husband eventually stops going up with the wife. He just doesn't believe it anymore. And eventually he leaves and the wife keeps going up and going up hoping and, and, and it never happens, but it's a powerful scene. Mm. Uh, and it, it shows that th these things end up being discouragements, you know, they're, 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 they are distractions that get us focused off of Christ crucified, like Bill was saying, and we get embroiled and we don't even see it, that it's happening, but we become, you know, we become addicted to being precisely correct. Mm. And, and I have experienced more freedom in Christ by just saying, you know, I don't need a precise answer. I just want a rough answer. Give me a rough answer. And this, there are variables still going on out there. You know, when, when Peter says, hasten the day of the Lord, that's an incredible statement, because if you can hasten it, that also means you can obstruct it or slow it down. So, you know, to me, it's all a matter of our cooperation. And are we providing a, con a, a conducive uh, atmosphere for the Lord's unveiling? You know, this is happening from generation to generation. And I'm telling you, we're seeing it with this whole goodness of God thing right now. You know, 15 years ago, this wasn't hard, hardly anywhere, you know. But now on the Internet, you look everywhere and people are, are sensing that this our image of God has been polluted. And we're coming out of it. And there's, there's a, uh, you know, that rising tide lifts all the boats thing going on where our collective consciousness. And that's what I believe. I mean, I don't believe Jesus is going to descend from the sky like an astronaut, like he's on planet Jesus right now, you know, two galaxies over, and he's going to come, you know, when we finally, you know, when we're finally ready. I mean, that ain't the way it's going to happen. But if you really look at what Paul says over and over again, it's he's going to come out of us. When, when we see him, we shall be like him. Amen. And that's because the body of the church, the church body, the bride, that's the thermometer. If we really want to know the thermometer of when he's coming back, to open uh, manifestation, it's when we start acting like him, when we start acting Christ-like as mm -hmm. a body. And when we come together in unison, when we come together in unity of spirit and, and single-eyed focus on his goodness, when we have an agreement on what the nature of God is, then that's going to lay the groundwork. And then one day, I don't know the, all, the, all the exact logistics of it, but he is going to appear when we are like him. So, so that we, as we come together and do the same and greater works than he did, which we're not even close to doing that now, but you know what? There's no pressure, you know, because if there's pressure, we're getting back into that precision thing. But we well, do that's need exactly it. That's exactly yeah. it. I think, I think the more effort we try to apply into making it happen, we, the more we obstruct it, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. The more we try to force it, the more we... Yeah. So, which gets back, I mean, what I posted this morning were just, you know, the four ideas and there's different ways you can, you can look at eschatology and, 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 you know, I, 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 uh, I posted a little, uh, you know, uh, thing that I got from the NIV study Bible, which is a fairly good resource on stuff, but it, you know, it, it you know, there's one group called a preterist and they basically believe that all the Bible prophecies of the new Testament are in a first century stating, uh, setting, and then it's already happened. Everything that's predicted has already happened. Well, there's some truth to that. Some of it, you know, uh, but it's not all the truth there is. And then another, the second one is that uh, historists 
take it as uh, describing the long chain of events from Patmos to the end of history. You know, from John's writing up from that day forward, it doesn't it doesn't look at what's already happened. And then futurists look at primarily the end times when Jesus is coming. But then the fourth category, which is what I'm in, is, is the idealist who view Revelation and all the prophecies as symbolic pictures of timeless truths and, and, and just symbolic truths of how good overcomes evil. In other words, there's no there's no chronos timeline. Exactly. It's just these are just broad, you know, broad strokes about what's going to happen and how Jesus's goodness is over is going to overcome evil. And, and, and I, I heavily favor that when just anything that requires you to get a specific commitment on a set of facts. Yikes. You better duck and head the other way. But it's a snare. And, you know, uh, unless uh, unless it involves blood moons, then it's probably right on the money. <laughs> well, here's the problem. Most most pastors and religious people, they got books on the shelves. Exactly. It is the book that sure. defines yeah. everything. It's called systematic theology. And that's your go to when you have a question and all the answers are there. You don't have to think precision, of right? Just like yeah. Yep. yeah. Something we got to face, brothers. We are the now testament. <laughs> and 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 each of you guys, you you continually write epistles to the to the to the church at Facebookicus, you know. <laughs> you, you do. I mean, really, honestly, what you're writing right now is the Now Testament. And 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 of course, that freaks everybody else that think uh, out that thinks it needs to be in a book, because it's constantly flowing. You can't nail it down. It's like mercury. You can't you can't make it stop. You, you know, I, I did a study sometime back on I'm the Lord thy God and I change not. You know what doesn't change about him? He's constantly creating. He's constantly revealing himself. Mm. He, he doesn't go to some point and stop. He's never done that. Look around you. Look at the universe. Look at the, look, I mean, we, we got a scope out, right? And we used to believe that the universe was expa expanding at the speed of light until we put the Hubble scope out there. And then we figured out all of a sudden, well, that's just how fast we can see. That's not, that's not, and now we've got the new scope out there and, and all of a sudden the universe has, has, has gotten hugely greater, right? God is that way. He, he is, he's infinity. So we are the now Testament and you guys literally, and I'm not blowing smoke at you. You guys are literally writing epistles to the church of today. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, you know it's what? So, oh, go, ahead. Oh, go, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Bill. Uh, just, it's so funny because I actually it, it is it's interesting because some things stay the same some things don't right <laughs> and it, to me the, the 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 scripture from Acts one where we have the ascension taking place right and Jesus is goes up and there's clouds and then he kind of goes into the clouds and everybody's standing there with their mouths open and they're all like what just happened and it's like the the, the church, the, you know, the gathering, the church invisible, the bit, well, maybe not even, maybe the church visible, but the, the people that still are kind of enamored by the concept of a risen Jesus, we're still kind of sitting there with our mouths going, looking at the sky going, when he's come back, right? And that's kind of the collective mentality. And yet what the angels say, I love this. They, and the, the, the two angels come down and they're like, why are you standing there looking at the sky? <laughs> yeah. right he's not yeah. coming back like that's not how he's coming back he's it says this as he's coming the back the same way he went away and i sat there one day i was like and it just hit me like everybody thinks that while well, he went up 
and then he dissolved. Well, and then he's going to come back. No, no, no. The way the dissolving, it's not the going up. It's the dissolving that's the key. And he he dissolved into creation. Hmm. And I think he's going to dissolve out of creation. It's not like he's, like you said, he's not coming down. And and we're not supposed to be staring at the sky waiting for this to be happen. We're supposed to be participating in creation. It's such a like a whoa moment for me because I think the church really hasn't got past to some degree the sitting there staring at this. And we, we still haven't listened to those two uh, messengers, right? They go, oh, I mean, we're not supposed to just stand here and wait for them. That sounds <laughs> well, like the water cycle where the water gets evaporated <laughs> up and then comes back again as rain into the ground exactly. back up. And, and he's and you know he's manifesting through the body of christ and and that's the whole the whole eschatology fever is based on his absence that yeah. jesus is not here and that's as anti-christ as it gets i'm never because, going to leave you <laughs> yes yes uh, you know you're a spirit do you not know but i will for right now do you know, yeah do you not know that the spirit of god lives in you and you're the temple of god <laughs> I mean, it's everything Jesus continually said, I will be with you. I, I will never forsake you. I'm yeah. in you. You know, all these promises. So so the point is, when he appears, he's going to appear out of us. I believe in a physical, you know, physical appearance. But it's when the bride makes herself ready. We are, we are the thermometer. If you want to know where we are in the timeline, look at the development of the bride, which tells me we're pretty early in the timeline, at least functionally. And I'm not talking about time in terms of minutes, I'm just talking about time in terms of development. Hey, listen, so I've done enough weddings to know the bride sometimes takes a really long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This we, this 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 bride still has some uh, hormone issues. <laughs> you know, we're we're not operating on a you know on a on a on a pristine basis. Uh, I mean, not to be like weirdly morbid, and this maybe why not. Why I'm stop now? What do you do? <laughs> no, I, I and, and here's the funny thing. I, I'm going to be just straight with you three because I trust you guys. And I think it's, it's, it's a good conversation for even other people to hear this is I think there's such a beauty in the freedom that God's given us as, as the bride of Christ, as humanity as a whole, that we have the opportunity to be the sons of God who can, or, you know, all creations groaning for that wake up and, you know, that, and I think there's also a chance for us to just, wipe each other out and and resurrection here we come right and and that's the cool thing about it is like i'm not sure the 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 course before us is set in stone either right there is this participation as we've said like we're not in charge we get the bride to awaken to our true beauty in the eyes of the the you know the bridegroom and begin to reflect that grace and that love? Or are we going to continue to just kind of uh, self-destruct and end up in the grave, which is in the perfect position for him to do what he does, right? So, so what does a what does a bride do? Karen. What does a bride do when she knows her husband to be loves her unconditionally? Mm-hmm. She's dressed ready. There's there's this love and they catch each other's eyes. But if they don't believe it, they're not quite ready. Yep. Right. Right. So we have a world of churchianity that does not believe it's ready. They, they feel they are completely, um, um, what's the word? There's a, de- um, a defect. We're defective and we have cleaning up to do. Yep. You know, it's like, wait a minute. You don't know the love of your father. Take a look at the story exactly. of the prodigal son. Exactly. That is so true. That is so true. And, and 
you know, I, I'd like to float an idea here that a lot of the more and more I see issues about hell, issues about eschatology, I see, I really believe that Jesus comes to us and accommodates our triggers, accommodates mm -hmm. our fears, accommodates. He can't bring us all into it in one moment. And he says that I have more. To, I have so much more to say, but you can't bear it. So he, he comes to us. We have this need to control, to be in precision, to understand what must happen in exactly the order that it happens. No, we don't. No, we don't. No. -uh. <laughs> yeah, I know Richard likes to do this and I just, I just hit me, but you know, they're, they're human stories are so often just, I, I think unintentionally allegorical to a spiritual thing going on. Right. And you think about uh, Snow White, right. The story of Snow White and, Here's this beautiful maiden and, and, you know, she thinks she's incomplete. She has to eat this apple. The apple's filled with a poison and it puts her to a sleep. And the bridegroom has to come and, and kiss her alive, kiss her, resurrect her, resurrect her awake. I mean, that's the entire story of Christ right there. Is yes. It not? Yes. Amen. I, I might insert there, by the way, that six of those dwarfs were, were they apparently were evangelicals because they weren't happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's good <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we we are could it be it, it, it here's i'll ask one of those questions that'll get me kicked off the call maybe could it be his reappearance is manifest in all of us as he manifests in each one of us individually so that he in fact is the sum total of, of the manifest of his manifestation in every man could that be yeah, it could. I think it could easily be. It's just that's an uncomfortable way to answer to a really religious textbook, dogmatic uh, society. Right. They don't want that answer because we've been told another answer. So but, but I do think it could be both. I yeah. think it could be that that one triggers the other. Yeah. OK, you know? well, and here, here's a big point. And, and Bill started with this to instead of having our one perspective that we stick to, this is what we believe all the time to now be exposed to yet another lens of people who truly love Jesus just as much, but they don't see it the same way. They're offering another perspective to know that there, we may not agree, but there is a legitimate perspective, you know, Hey, maybe we don't know all the answers. Maybe we need to have more conversation. Maybe my dogmatic narrow lens may need more room for hope and expansion. I laugh when people ask, what are you eschatology wise? Well, I'm like, I'm a pred of future history. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, yeah, yes. Well, Mike Warnke said it'll, he's a pan something, you know, because it'll all pan out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pan, yeah. pan it'll all pan out in the end. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll tell you one thing. We need to keep our sense of humor. I posted a joke the other day that half the people that commented didn't get. And it was it was that if if it's the last thing I do, I'm going to develop a coherent eschatology. Yeah, I saw that. Which means, you know, the doctrine of last things. So it was a pun. And I, I half of, you know, God bless them. You know, half of them laughed and said, oh, well, what a dad joke. You know, that's yeah. pretty much all I do are dad jokes. But but anyhow, um, some of the others said, go, Rich. Yes, that's right. Go ahead. Do it. And Get then there. Said, and then one guy said, uh, well, listen, uh, you need to go back to orthodoxy and stop trying to reinvent the wheel. And, and I told the guy, I was joking. <laughs> you know, we have to have a sense of humor because the sense of humor, listen, I can't understate it because the sense of humor lets us shed away some of this 
uh, addiction, because the very fact that somebody's humorless and can't laugh at it means the stronghold is there. At least that's one evidence of it. That you they can't need more communion. Yes. Yes. And I mean, you know, this is we're supposed to use humor to help us deconstruct from toxic theology, you know. So I, I just say just just, uh, you know, keep your sense of humor. Keep it up. Mike, that, by the way, is a prune juice communion that you're talking about. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm talking about intoxicating this is a, this is good wine. Another, I think it's another yeah. conversation because we've touched on this multiple times. But the whole idea of the humor of Christ, the humor of God, I think is a, a, a completely undervalued conversation that needs to be Amen. explored. It really Amen. does. And celebrated. Yeah. And, and you and you look about, you know, you look about things about hell. And when you finally have a moment of uh, clarity about it, it's funny. It's tragic, but it's funny at the same time. You know, yeah. Churchill said you can't deal with the most serious things if you can't laugh at them. And, and the very concept that there would be a God that would torture us forever and that Jesus somehow perfectly represented him. I mean, you talk about what a disconnect, what a freaking disconnect. And it's funny. And, and, you know, and, and it's like we need to laugh. It's like the emperor with no clothes. People keep going around preaching hell and preaching this eschatology. And the, there's no clothes on the thing, you know. So, I, I mean, think, it's, it's. I think one of the best humorists uh, that I've seen on online so far, my favorite is the naked pastor, David Hayward. He mm -hmm. has got uh, the best puns. He can take a whole theological textbook and make a cartoon out of it. And you can view it multiple ways. And you roll laughing. He can say things of horrific theology that needs to be corrected. And he's he got a lot of people hating on him, but I think he brings the joy and humor to it in a way that he doesn't care. And yeah. I love that. Fact, Mike, he did the he did the graphic for the first Baptist church. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, of course, I formed that the first Baptist church. Yeah. Nope. And, and Hayward inspired that. Yeah, he's phenomenal, man. He's yeah. phenomenal. He's a Canadian, fellow Canadian, just saying. Hey. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, some people attack this from different angles. Bob, for instance, he loves to post songs and, you know, and, and maybe avoid direct confrontation, but the song will hit it from an angle, you know, and, and just like humor hits it from an angle. Yeah. I think Bill and I sometimes we, we, we get caught like a, a trying, we get gored by the horns because, because we got to stand in front of it. But there's some wisdom to stand to the side, you know, and because even when we stand, you know, and we take it by the horns directly and in front, sometimes that can even pollute us and we can get, you know, counter, you know, counter using the same tactic. Hopefully you guys notice it. A lot of what I post is there's a tongue in cheek. On, I think that's the funny thing with writing. You either learn the author and the spirit behind the author, and, and that changes some things. It really does. You can see somebody's posting something really hyper, like, and they're really not as serious as they, as they may appear, mm. right? I think you're that way, Richard. I, I, would, I would hope people see myself that way, and, 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 but I think when you don't know the art of the author, and again, not to, not to make the Bible the God's book, but I think even the individual authors of scripture, okay, it's, it's fun getting to know kind of who they are and then reading them from that angle. It changes. Yeah. Things. Yeah. Don't worry, Bill. None of us are taking you seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take myself seriously. That's good. <laughs>
Well, we do need much more joy. And I find so much humor in the Bible stories. I, I find humor in uh, the written stories and the parables, but even Jesus, you know, showing up for Lazarus, like the, the humor of, okay, if Lazarus is called out, the people removed the stone. So that means they still called in, come on out. Well, how did he come out? Did he float like a, a zombie? Did he hop out because he's all still bound up? Remember, they had to unbind him. So did he hop out like a bunny? Like a, the imagery is hilarious. Yeah. If you start to look through some of this. So, yeah, I, I, there's humor I'm all through. This is my song. My religion, my religion isn't old time anymore. I talk about Lazarus and I say he hopped out with a shout and his religion wasn't old time anymore. Yeah, he 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 definitely hopped out. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I was going to share a story when the boys I used to read the Bible every night with the boys and I would let them read it. You know, we would read different Bible passages and they were talking about David's mighty men uh, and uh, Abraham, who. He's just so funny. He's a fun, but he was about seven years old. He's reading in the Bible and he says, Eleazar, uh, son, uh, uh, son of Dudu. All right. So he said, son of Dudu, the Ahoite. Oh boy. (laughs) I I was rolling on the floor. I said, God implanted this joke for this date, for this time, you know, and the boys are just looking at me and I was rolling in the floor over and over Son of Dudu the Ahoite. I mean, God, tell me that that's not God being hilarious. <laughs> that's amazing. And it, and it is the Ahoite. A-H-O-I-T-E. <laughs> Too funny. Oh, man. I'm trying desperately to find a certain cartoon that I saw in Leadership Magazine 30 years ago. Um, it's a picture of getting to heaven. And there's St. Peter at a desk. And then you see this row of doors. Tons of doors, one's pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, and then all the other doors. And the whole the whole wall is held up by a two by four. And but behind the same entrance, y'all go pick the door to get into the kingdom of heaven. It's just it was just a really funny way to say, hey, stop arguing about things that don't need to be argued about. Well, and that's why I think if you ever catch yourself in an argument where precision is the, the number one goal you know, where, where there's just an inundation, a flood of, of a demand for precise explanation, you need to leave the conversation. Because I, I'm telling you, I said it earlier, but the greatest freedom I've experienced is I got delivered from the need to be precise. Mm. You know, be right. I, I, I've got, yeah, I've got some general answers on stuff that I'm convinced of, but they're general answers. Why any specific thing happens on any specific occasion, nobody knows because you have to know everything. You know, but we can know generally and whenever it's the man born blind, if if we'll just accept that, that's what faith is, accepting the general, having confidence in the general and and, and, uh, sacrificing our need, our carnal need to be certain and to be precise. And I think it's such a freedom, such a freedom involved. But Jesus meets us in our anal condition. He meets us in our he knows that we have to know these things. We think we have to know them. And what's he going to do? Desert us? No, he's going to come in and he's going to give us some hints that one day you're going to see that this is BS, <laughs> you know, but, but I'm going to meet you where you're at. I'm going to feed you a little bit there just so you'll keep going. But I've dropped hints about hell, about turning the other cheek, about, you know, God being light only about, about the devil's nature, about I've dropped hints 
And these things like leaven are going to leaven. And one day it, they're going to leaven through the body of Christ and get all this carnal baloney out of us. No, so I'm going to get you right. guys. I'm going to Go get ahead. you guys to answer or re- respond to this. Cause we got to wrap this up. Um, how or what would you say to somebody who's struggling with or got sucked back into some end times fear? Oh, no, these world events, we're in trouble now. What should I do? Can you guys speak grace to a couple of folks? Because there are some legitimately great people that are just kind of questioning it. They're not sure if they believe it anymore because they've moved away from it, but now they're getting sucked into it because all the family and friends are. How would you speak hope to those? I think we need to end with this today. Yeah, I'll start. Um, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Everything's going to be all right. Hey, hey. Um, I, again, um, one of the things I'm seeing as in the, there, there's, there's trends, right? There, there, there's so many different trends. And it, it, I actually talked about this to somebody this week. It's happening at such a breakneck speed that people are racing through theological kind of perspectives. Uh, and I'm really not taking time to chew on the full ramifications of any of them. And I think that's what you see sometimes with this recoiling of people either back into fundamentalism or or slingshotting away from it. Um, it is sometimes it's just, it's almost too much to bear. And so mm-hmm. it's just easier to go back to a safe place or easier to drop it all together and get so far away from it that nothing means anything anymore. And um, all I would say is rest with Christ, Hmm. rest with the person of Jesus. And even Jesus, and this is going to sound maybe a little uh, (laughs) anti-traditional. I'm not saying rest with scripture because scripture sometimes can even muddy the waters. Jesus said really confusing things because he was breaking down presupposition. He was breaking down people's certainty around certain pinpointed items of eschatology or who father was just sit at a table with bread and wine, contemplate on the person of Jesus who dined with sinners, who, who you know, ha- had a Pharisee in front of him at one point, who, who just sat with anybody who would give him the, the ability to commune, right? The same person who would get on a cross and unconditionally forgive everybody for everything for all time and said, listen, your self-righteousness, it doesn't get you where I'm going. Your sins don't put you where you belong, you know, where you think you belong. Neither one of those things are in play. Just be with me. And I think the rest of the stuff tends, just like Richard said, to fade away. And we, we're, we're able to open our hands to a lot of this. Amen. Amen. I, I, I would just say Romans 10, 6 through 8, I think is the best passage on any of this stuff. It says, the righteousness, which is of faith, speaks this way. Don't say in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep or hell, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what says this type of faith? It says that the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, the word of faith, which we preach. So that that whole passage to me is against the mentality. Who's going to bring Jesus down? Who's going to bring him up? Who's going to bring him here? No, it's already near. He's already near you in your heart, in your that's mouth. Right. And, and that's beautiful. That's where the comfort is. And if, if we focus our, if we focus our rough faith, our coarse faith, like those apostles had, that rough edged faith on this, then everything else will work out, will unfold in its time. 
And uh, so I'm just happy having, be happy having a rough faith. You've got, you, you, it's okay to have some rough answers. You know, you <laughs> pixelated answers. You don't need a high definition picture of things because that's not the way faith works. Until faith you pull works. back so far that yeah. it creates a beautiful picture mm. that you didn't even expect. Amen. Amen. Bob? You know, D.L. Moody, there's a story that D.L. Moody was planting a tree in his yard and a reporter came up and started talking to him and said, Dr. Moody, what would you do if you knew God was, Jesus was returning tomorrow? And he said, I'd plant another tree. What mm. I would say is abide until I come. Yeah. Amen. That's good. Love it. Well, thank the you, gentlemen. Abides. <laughs> <laughs> well, these conversations must happen. And I know the anxiety is not just of end times. The war is not the first element or ingredient of anxiety. We've got COVID anxiety. We got conspiracy anxiety. We got, you make a list. And then you have people deconstructing in this journey. There's even more anxiety attached with that. So this word of rest, that's really it. It Love, really is. joy, peace. Huh. Yeah. Right? If it's, if it's bringing anxiety, it's not of Jesus. It's that's not correct. spirit. It's not a father. Period. And there's so much psychobabble out there. I'm telling you, psychobabble, you want to have people attack us. Let's just get into psychobabble. But that's another day. You know, just this misuse of psychological terms to accuse our enemies, to pigeonhole them, to dehumanize them. Yeah. As though any of us, I mean, they're just words, but we hide behind them and, and we, we use them to avoid, you know, spiritual responses uh, to things. So but that, that's another topic for another day. But just stay awake. You know, the, 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 the vocabulary of faith. I'm not saying that it's not in any of those psychological terms, but let's just keep it. We're talking about a metaphysical reality here that transcends our psychological understanding and just believe there's a higher, a higher vocabulary of better truths and brighter truths Mm -hmm. and, and commit to that. I love that. All right. I'm going to hit the end of this. So thank you everyone. We'll catch you next time. Uh, There'll be links below to find out where Bob is. I'll get his, uh, I'll get him to message me his link. Uh, And then I've got uh, Richard and Bill's down below too. So thanks again. Look forward to another conversation on still growing in grace because none of us ever arrive. (laughs) Love you guys. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Thank you for those that were commenting away there. Linda Routley uh, and Howard there. Rebecca, good morning to you. Uh, Jen Nye laughing because of uh, fruitcakes and Sandy Prince in the UK. Good to see you on board. And Marianne, uh, I think you're down Australia. I'm quite sure you are. Gordon Melville, good morning. Um, and then Sandy Prince. Apos Karis watching from Waterloo. Good morning. Glad you took time to join in. I don't know who you are. Uh, would love to know who you are. Um, if we're connected, I don't know. Because sometimes people use different names on their on their profiles that aren't really their name. But if I know you, let me know. Uh, send me a message on Facebook or something like that. Um, let's see. Mike Gordon. Yes. Hey, Mike, I got your message. And I, uh, I already put it in my calendar to send you those links, I promise. By the way, folks, if you look below into the description, the links to reach Bob Engel, um, uh, Richard Murray's there, and uh, uh, Bill Thrasher's The Jesus Purpose Community on Facebook is there. Uh, on Richard's site, I think you, that's where you're going to get your PDF books, books on Revelation, on hell, all that kind of stuff. Uh, really, really good stuff. So uh, just go there and enjoy. I think you'll you'll love that. 
Uh, I hope that was encouraging today. I look forward to the next conversation. I've got to run because I got a really crazy day today, and uh, I need to get rolling out of the office. So we'll we'll catch you guys next time. If you like this, share it with somebody, and uh, we'll see you next week on Still Growing in Grace. After all, none of us have arrived or will arrive in our full understanding. So let's just enjoy the journey. Thanks. We'll catch you guys next time. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.